what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. I'm your host, Drew, and thank you for making me part of your week. In this upcoming episode, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Sabres finally firing head coach Ralph Kruger. We're also going to talk about big baller Bean, Brandon Bean, the Buffalo Bills GM, is having another tremendous offseason. All that in this upcoming episode, so stick around and let's have some fun. The nightmare on Knox Plaza is finally over as the Buffalo Sabres finally fire Ralph Kruger. I know this news is a little bit late. Obviously, the Sabres fired Ralph Kruger just after I put out my last episode, but this is the episode in which I tell you finally how happy I am that the Buffalo Sabres have fired Ralph Kruger. I have been saying it for the last three weeks. The Sabres have had lost 12 straight Unfortunately, they have still lost two straight. We'll talk more about that in a, in a few minutes. But they finally fired Ralph Kruger, and Ralph finishes his tenure with the Buffalo Sabres in a year and a half at 36 wins, 50 losses, and 12 overtime losses. Now, last year, he wasn't this bad, or the Buffalo Sabres weren't this bad. They weren't great, but they weren't good. And I think the player mismanagement mixed with the... Uh, lack of success overall. The Sabres were just 30 and 31 last year, and obviously just a horrendous record this year. Uh, I think that mixed with, again, his mediocrity mixed with his player mismanagement mixed with the fact that the Sabres look like they were, uh, uh, you know, just absolutely disengaged from this entire season. I think that is essentially what got Ralph Kruger fired. Now, the Sabres announced that the assistant coach to Ralph Kruger in Don Granado will be the interim head coach for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, he does not have any previous NHL head coaching experience, but his list of uh, of uh, coaching is extensive. He has been a head coach at, some, at just about every other level in hockey that you can be at. We're going to read over the list here really quick. He was the head coach in the USHL, led his team to the final in six seasons, I believe, in the USHL. He was the head coach in the ECHL. He won a championship in the ECHL. He won, In his first season in the AHL, he was the coach of the year in the AHL. He was the assistant coach to Joe Quenville in Chicago. And he was the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, no, assistant coach to Joe Quinville in Chicago. He was also an assistant coach in St. Louis. And he became a assistant coach under Ralph Kruger just a month after Ralph Kruger was hired. So it was somebody that Kruger brought in to round out his coaching staff. And he is now getting an opportunity to show what he can do as a head coach in the NHL. And I got to tell you, from the start of it, it looks like he could potentially be a halfway decent coach already. The Sabres are showing signs of life for the first time in a very, very long time. Now, the Sabres fired Ralph Kruger. This is some more reports that came out after Ralph Kruger was fired was that he was very lax in practice, very sloppy. The drills were not run at full speed. It seemed like the drills were run at kind of half speed or very lazily run. And that appeared, that sloppy uh, 
practice habits appear to have translated into them being very sloppy during the game. The players did not know the roles. They did not know uh, the things that were expected them of them under Ralph Kruger. And that was essentially what was Ralph Kruger's undoing here with the Buffalo Sabres. Now, Granado seems to want the Sabres to play a lot faster, a lot more uh, up-tempo of a game. And if you watched the last two games, yes, I know the Sabres lost both games. You can't really fault Granado for the first one. Obviously, he was he was the head coach for maybe a day. I don't even know if the Sabres had practice with him as the head coach. But this past game against the New York Rangers, uh, it appeared that they were playing with a ton more speed, a ton more uh, intensity. It appeared that they were a lot more crisp. Their passes were tape to tape in a lot of cases. Now, they still spent too much time in their own zone, which is a huge problem for the Buffalo Sabres. But, you know, they have so many injuries that it's just... It seems like the players, they don't know their roles and no one's really stepping up to take over the role of Jack Eichel and who really can, honestly. No one can really take over and do the things that Eichel can do. That's why he is such a special player and that we should not even consider trading him until at least the end of next season if the Sabres are still just absolute dog shit and you know you want to just completely tear it down again then I I maybe consider that, but right now you just you won't get enough back for Jack Eichel to really justify trading him at all. So I don't really understand why anyone would really want to trade Jack Eichel. I just again I just don't understand. I think people are just uh, we're just really upset at the fact that the Sabers looked and felt so so very terrible for uh, you know for such a long stretch. The Sabers still are terrible. They've lost their two games under Don Granado, but they have looked a ton better, in my opinion, uh, have the Buffalo Sabres. Now, I stated this before. I don't think that uh, simply firing Ralph Kruger and bringing in another coach was going to be like some magical fucking fairy dust that you just sprinkle over the team and they just poof, automatically start playing better and winning games and it just turns the whole ship around. The Sabres have so many more problems than just the head coach. The head coach was just the tip of the iceberg and now that the Sabres have finally moved past Ralph Kruger, they can either look for a uh, a really solid, proven head coach or potentially give Granado a shot, depending on how good he does and how good the team looks uh, the rest of the way this season for as long as they keep him uh, behind the bench for the Buffalo Sabres. I said that again. Ralph Kruger was... He's not... Again, he wasn't the only problem. He was a big problem, and I think, as I stated before, his player mismanagement was just... An absolute catastrophe. Having Jeff Skinner try to play a game in which he's just not... He's not that type of player that is going to play like an incredible two-way game. He is more of a offensive specialist. You're going to put him in the offensive zone draws. You're going to want him to score a lot of goals. And, you know, if if he gives up a goal on, on defense, you know, so be it. You live with that because of what he brings offensively. Ralph Kruger... Did not want to do that. He kept playing uh, Jeff Skinner with just absolute scrubs and bums. Guys like Cody Eakin. And it's just, it was not ever going to work out from the start. One of the other things that uh, 
I do like about the Buffalo Sabres is I know I talked a lot of shit about Dylan Cousins. I said I really hope he is great. And he has looked like he is a solid NHL player. He looks very, very comfortable in the role between uh, Taylor Hall and Sam Reinhardt. He fits in between those guys very well. And I think that you you now have your 2C. You don't have to worry about Eric Stahl not coming back. You don't have to worry about going out and trying to trade for a second-line center. You have him in Dylan Cousins, and you can go into next season and be confident that if you put some pieces, some competent pieces around uh, Dylan Cousins, that he is going to perform and you're going to have two very solid lines because obviously Jack Eichel is going to do what Jack Eichel does provided he is healthy and you know he's going to just make that first line run very, very well. And Dylan Cousins can now be your second line center and provide that much needed offensive boost past that first line. Now, like I said, the Sabres haven't played well, uh, period, really all season long. Defensively, they haven't, they have all of them have just kind of looked lost, including Rasmus Dahlin and Ristolainen is having a good year before COVID. But right now, he, you know, all these guys, I don't know if it was the scheme. I really hope it was the scheme because after. Uh, Ralph Kruger left and Granado got his hands on some of the Sabres. I really believe that, you know, I've I've seen some, I don't want to say that they've improved massively. Um, they've improved with getting to move the puck faster. They've been moving the puck faster in these last few games. But I don't think defensively they are still there. The Sabres still need a couple of stay-at-home defensemen. Now, Somebody who I think has benefited, in my opinion, in the last few games from the firing of Ralph Kruger is Rasmus Dahlin. Now, I can't say that I sat here and watched all of Rasmus Dahlin in the first game under Granado, but I did watch him fairly closely in this last game against the New York Rangers, and he was playing with confidence. He was making moves at the blue line. He was, uh, you know, getting shots on goal. He was playing physical. He had the the Karuba collision or, you know, whatever they call it now in the game for the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely just flattened his man. There was a guy, he did draw, uh, end up getting a penalty, but, uh, you know, one of the Rangers is coming up the right wing boards and Darlene just planted him on his backside. He has been playing. He played with a little bit of grit, a little bit of determination and a little bit of nastiness that we had not seen out of Rasmus Darlene. Again, he has been a lot more aggressive and that's something that you absolutely want to see out of Darlene moving forward. Now the Sabres offensively, they appear to have gotten a few more high quality chances in this game, and that is simply because they are not just necessarily dumping the puck in and then just cycling it for 25 seconds and then it goes out of the zone. They're driving the net. They're trying to get pucks uh, towards the net. They're getting good opportunities. They're skating with their heads up. Their passes are tape to tape, and that is breaking down defenses and helping them score and get more scoring chances. Obviously, Jeff Skinner scored in this last game against the New York Rangers and a fantastic pass from Montour, and he just absolutely buried it. Far side blocker um, on Kincaid. In this one, Jeff Skinner, that was the tying goal for the Buffalo Sabres. And Dylan Cousins, again, far side, top shelf on uh, 
Kincaid for Dylan Cousins, an absolutely fantastic shot. As I said, he has not looked out of place on that first line, and that is something to look forward to in the next season for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, like I said, they did lose 5-3, to three, which moves their losing streak to 14 games, which does tie a franchise record for losses. But I can tell you, if the Sabres play the way they played tonight, they're going to win a lot more games the rest of this season. They looked very, very sharp for most of it, offensively anyway. Um, on the power or on the penalty kill, they have to be way better. They allowed two uh, power play goals for the New York Rangers, and that was essentially the difference in this game uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. And that is really, again, the special teams is really what killed them. The Sabres' power play did not look that deadly at all, and that is going to be something that they're going to have to work out without Jack Eichel, and somebody can hopefully be the catalyst to make that power play run. But there is light at the end of the tunnel for the Buffalo Sabres. And with the guys that they do have in place, there is a solid core for next season for this team to build on. That's going to do it for this video. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, uh, audio only on any of the, uh, on the pod, on one of your favorite podcasting websites, stick around for the next segment. If that's, if you're watching this on YouTube, that's going to do it. I hope you guys have a fantastic day. In Brandon Bean, we trust that is the credo for all of Bill's Mafia, especially after this offseason. He is an absolute wizard. With that, I'm going to start this video with my buddy Mark in Nickel City Sports Corner. What's going on, Buffalo sports fans? Mark here, and I'm back for another edition of the Nickel City Sports Corner. A lot has gone down since the last time I appeared on Sports Talk Buffalo. The Sabres finally fired Wreck-It Ralph Kruger. UB men's basketball earned an invite to the NIT, unfortunately lost by two points to number one seed Colorado State. And the Buffalo Bills have been hard at work in the early parts of the NFL offseason. Now, while plenty of NFL teams have seemingly overhauled their rosters and been Scrooge McDucking it during free agency, we see you, New England. Big Baller Bean and the Bills have been crunching numbers and shifting money around during an unprecedented offseason in order to keep their AFC Championship team intact. There has clearly been a focus on in-house signings versus bringing in new talent. Buffalo has either extended or re-signed seven players from last year's team that helped take them to the conference title game in January. However, they haven't completely ignored the free agent market and have added four new members to Bills Mafia with the signings of punter Matt Hawk, tight end Jacob Hollister, QB Mitch Trubisky, and veteran wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. With what could only be compared to just a little bit more than some pocket change and cap room left, I suspect Brandon Bean will be looking to do some bargain hunting to round out his squad before turning their attention to the NFL draft that's just a little over a month away now. Could players like Cordero Patterson, James White, Malcolm Butler, or even former UB Bulls and Buffalo native Stephen Means be headed to the Bills in 2021? Or could they be trying to keep another one of their own from leaving in an Isaiah McKenzie? Whatever they end up doing, I and the rest of Mafia are no doubt living by the credo, in being we trust. 
that will do it for me today, guys. But before I go, I just want to give a quick shout-out to my favorite underrated underdog and the reigning Offensive Player of the Year, running back Ladarius Galloway, whose team, the Wild Aces, won the inaugural FCF People's Championship this past Saturday against the Glacier Boys. This dude is special and definitely should be on the NFL, CFL, and XFL's radar. Way to show up and show out, Gway. Thank you for all for tuning into STB, and like the rest of you, I look forward to hearing Drew's thoughts about the latest news on our favorite Buffalo sports franchises. Catch you all later. That was by my buddy Mark with the Nickel City Sports Corner. Something new I have added not that long ago. I try to incorporate that as much as possible. Get another voice in here uh, when I'm not interviewing people so that you guys are not just looking at my ugly mug all the time and listening to my stupid voice. But here it is. For years we have heard the culture must change. The culture must change. We need culture. We need a better culture in our at one Bills drive. And ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done just that. They've created a culture in which players want to be here. Brandon Bean was able to restructure several players in the offseason simply shifting money or giving them less money to free up space. These guys want to be here. They're taking less money to be part of what is building in Buffalo, being built and still building in Buffalo. The Bills were able to re-sign with this, with this freed up cap space. They were able to re-sign guys like right tackle Daryl Williams to a three-year $24 million contract. He looked absolutely fantastic against Pittsburgh and TJ Watt. He made TJ Watt, who is an absolutely feared end in the National Football League, he made him essentially a non-factor. Fantastic year for him, and he is rewarded with a three-year, $24 million contract. Something else you talk about with culture is, and it is going to be evident in the next signing that I'm going to talk about, is Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace signed a one-year, $1.75 million contract, and he it was reported that he told his agent, I don't even want you to counter other offers because I want to play in Buffalo. I want to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo. That is absolutely huge when you think about the mentality of these guys when it comes to free agency. Free agency is their time to potentially pick and choose what teams they want to go to and how much money they, I don't say how much money they want to make, but pick the best offer. And for a guy to say, I don't want you to even consider another team. I want to be here. That is a testament to what is happening here in Buffalo. And of course, the biggest signing, re-signing in the offseason, in my opinion, that a player that was already on the Buffalo Bills was outside linebacker Matt Milano. Somebody that Bills Mafia had no illusions would be coming back to Buffalo. Everyone really thought he was gone, that he was going to to make his money, he was going to get out of here. Just 26 years old. Every, uh, uh, probably going to be a coveted linebacker in the NFL. 
And Brandon Bean freed up enough cap space, and he wanted to be here so much that he gave the Buffalo Bills a hometown discount. He played uh, just 10 games uh, because of injury, but recorded 45 tackles, four tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, nine QB hits, and he's also fantastic at, uh, in coverage in this past season. He had three passes defended and an, I, uh, an INT. My goodness, Matt Milano can literally do it all, and his presence on the defense helps somebody like Tremaine Admins immensely. Matt Milano signed a four-year, $44 million contract with the Buffalo Bills, which seemed like a massive discount for the Bills, as they were saying, uh, if I remember correctly, he could make anywhere from 14 to potentially $15 million a year, and he signed for essentially $11 million per year with the Buffalo Bills. That is an absolutely huge hometown discount to be part of something that the Buffalo Bills are building here in Buffalo. Brandon Bean was able to keep a majority of his 13-3 and AFC appearance uh, team from uh, last year. However, there had there was an, a fairly big cap casualty, and that was wide receiver John Brown. Now, that move saved the Bills roughly $7.9 million in cap space. Brown had a career year in his first season with the Buffalo Bills, amassing uh, 1,060 yards receiving. He had six touchdowns, but injuries derailed him in his second year. And unfortunately, that along with the emergence of Gabe Davis and the fact that Cole Beasley, Gabe Davis, and the rest could essentially do the job without John Brown made him expendable. And that was probably the biggest reason why the Buffalo Bills moved on from John Brown. There were two big free agent signings that the Buffalo Bills did get, in my opinion, in this offseason. The first one of the two was the free agent's uh, signing of the very versatile wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, who showed, or for one year, $6 million, who showed plenty, that he had plenty left in the tank, even though he was 34 years old when he signed with New England. He had 61 receptions for 726 yards, Five touchdowns with New England last season, and you could move him all over the field. And he's a fantastic route runner. He may have lost a step or two, but he is still plenty fast to get behind defenses and still be the burner to blow the lid off of defenses for the Buffalo Bills. And the other signing that is absolutely huge is something that is a backup position. And that is crazy to think about that the Buffalo Bills could be so deep that one of their best signings is a backup quarterback. The Buffalo Bills signed former starting quarterback Mitchell Trubisky to a one-year $2.5 million contract. That is absolutely incredible. What a great job by Brandon Bean to sign Mitchell Trubisky. This guy is big and strong and athletic. He is not as athletic as Josh Allen. He doesn't have as good an arm as Josh Allen, but he can do a lot of the same things that Josh Allen can do, and he is far and away a better quarterback than Matt Barkley. So that gives the Bills a massive insurance policy moving forward into next season. To give you an idea of how much better he is than Matt Barkley, Trubisky is 29-1 and as a starter. 
And last year, he had 67% completion percentage, 2,055 yards, 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 195 rush yards, and a touchdown in 2020. Now, obviously, he did not play the entirety of 2020, but you see that the Bills have massively upgraded their quarterback room with somebody that is an insanely good insurance policy just in case something were to go horribly wrong next season, that the Bills would not just be essentially out of contention, that they could compete until Josh Allen could come back. Mitchell Trubisky has shown that he can win games and he can give you good, solid quarterback play. And with the way the Buffalo Bills offense is run, he can do a lot of the same things and, uh, you know, a lot of the same things that Josh Allen can do. And that is going to be huge for the Buffalo Bills. That's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends and tell your family. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you guys don't miss a single solitary episode. If you're listening to this on audio only, you can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, Anchor. You can email me at sportstalkbuff1 or you can email me or you can email me. You can email me at sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com or sportstalkbuffalo at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's going to do it for this video. Thank you guys. Have a fantastic week.